Live from the State Street Dilbert Pavilion. Oh, they didn't. <laughs> oh, they didn't no. know. They didn't. They got to rename that. It's the ESG Industries only weekly woke data podcast featuring BS man Matt Muscardi and me in today's egg sausage gooeyness called March 1st, 2023. The alternative democracy. Bunch of board sabermetrics data and a word from our sponsor. Yay! Paul's back. S Gage. Our show today is being sponsored by S Gage, your ESG data solutions provider. They are our ESG data solutions provider. I know, but we're trying to help them sell. So, I mean, but I'm saying if you like the data on this show, buy it from us. But also, they have some of the data that we're using, the like underlying data. It comes from somewhere, right? Maybe they, I should talk to SK. Paul. Shouldn't I say, yeah, maybe you'd be better if I said our ESG data. They so, are. They're our provider. But they're trying to That's project true. something on the world. It's like kind of like a Jesus-y thing. Like he's, no, I don't like that. It's um, the S-Gage is I there like for less. you, for everyone. S-Gage died <laughs> for your sins, I think. Please don't. Uh, no. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I don't I'm not clear about that. that. Ready? Um, yeah, let's. Wh- what are we doing? We're doing alternative democracy oh. today. This will get you packed. Actually, this is appropriate music for this. Yeah, it is. And for once, for once, that's where this music belongs. <laughs> okay, so it is proxy season, I guess. Uh, it's the early proxy. Every yeah. Wednesday, we're going to devote some space to this. So, for all you super high level. ESG nerds out there, this is really the show for you. <laughs> this is not because your uh, coworkers don't like you. They don't talk to you. That's true. So pretend like we are your coworkers that do like you and will talk to you. And we're just going to talk about stuff that you know we see as analysts. And we're soon to have a regular guest in this spot, a man named Douglas. Doug. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Because there's some yeah. there's some debate about. Other parts of his, his name, which we'll is call him Douglas yeah. or Doug. <laughs> Doug from Jersey. From Sound Governance. Isn't that what it's called? Sound Governance? Soundboard Governance. Sound bo- See, I'm already ruining everything. Yeah, you failed. Soundboard <laughs> like Governance. You're supposed to do our show prep. Actually, Doug, what about Sound Governance? I like that. Sound Governance. Yeah, See, not the name of the, double not the, name of the company, know. though. So, All right, we picked... Two companies for you this week, mostly because this takes a lot more time than you think it does to, to do this kind of weird deep dive analysis. Uh, of, of all companies, we picked Lennar Corporation. Oh. <laughs> Is it Lennar? 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 I don't, nobody, nobody knows. And just because I love avocados and my son told me the other day that it's his favorite food that exists uh calavo growers calavo what a bunch of yuppies you are (laughs) my favorite food in maine is avocados they're 89 cents at target do you have to be a yuppie to buy a a avocado now no you live in maine how do you think that avocado gets to you that's basically just you are the carbon i'm only entitled to Pine tree bark and lobster? Is that it? Yes, correct. Okay. That's you just won the lottery of terrible food. My son's traveled. Not really, but. Then tell him to go where avocados grow and live there. So let's start with Calavo Growers, Matt. 
Okay, let's do that. This is a weird everyone one. everyone was waiting for this. And I'm not... <laughs> again, we're talking about the alternative democracy because your normal democracy is maddening and makes you really sad. So here's a different way to exercise your vote and maybe make a difference somewhere. And have a maddening, very sad experience. Yeah. Calavo Growers is a weird one for many reasons, but l I'm going to... I don't know what you have to say about this company. How dare you? I'm going to limit my analysis to this just one very interesting fact, and that is that oh, for, God. for one year, uh, current CEO Brian Cocker, Coker, who cares? Brian Cocker? <laughs> it was actually CEO Matt and not on the board, which is a quite unusual. I know. That is an amazing, amazing thing. How often do you see a CEO I, in America? Not on the board. You don't see that very often. But I will say this about Calavo is that they have a they have board level ESG oversight. They have a, a corporate governance nomination and ESG committee. They also say a lot of you know corporate governance friendly things in their proxy statement, like we believe in the separation of CEO and chair, so that the, whoa, whoa, whoa. So that the CEO can take care of everyday duties and this chair can take care of oversight duties, right? That sounds kind of woke, it's reasonable. Though. A belief system of governance? <laughs> well, that's you know what? I have in my notes that Strive and uh, future president Vivek Ramaswamy will vote against everyone here because it is one of their strange methodologies that if there's any kind of ESG going out of the company, they automatically vote against you. That is correct. How yeah. about that for a methodology? Vote down the ESG. Get that How ESG out of there. How insipid does it get? Really? How insipid does it get? You know, the funny part about ENS and G yeah. is there's a G in it, which is what we're talking about with most of these things with the board. And, and at Calavo, every single thing um, in there says their ESG and governance committee considered this director like independent. I'll say this to you, Strive. I know you're listening. We've been reaching out a lot and you keep ignoring us. Justin Donner, her is the head of corporate governance at Strive Asset Management. So... <laughs> That's so that's that in itself is woke. That's a key yeah. tenant of ESG. So you should that fire yourself, Justin. That is correct. G. And by the way, you've done no actual uh, corporate governance analysis because your methodologies are screwy at best. That's all I'm going to say. Well, yeah. I mean, no they're very sugary and snowflake. They don't even right. dispute that. Let me get to my main point here. So you because because the CEO was not on the board for the past year, we actually have the opportunity to look at our data, our influencer data, all right? We have board level Ooh. influencer data. We're able to analyze this company, what they should look like without a pesky CEO there. And Matt, you know what happens magically? It it magically becomes a, a relatively democratic board of balanced <laughs> influence so that everyone sort of falls in around 10% except for you know, understandably the chair and the lead director. So so really what you have is a board of equals gathered together to share their expertise, to make decisions about the oversight of a company, which is the point in the yeah, first this place. Is, yeah. So first of all, let me just say. Thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah. That, I rehearsed like that speech for this. years. <laughs> they years. like your passion about this. Let me just say this. This is the board of Calavo is like like a natural field experiment for like virus studies. Like when mm -hmm. you find like one of those like 
communities on an island that have never seen the outside world and you drop in a virus and you see what happens. The the CEO of Chipotle just got nervous because he's listening to this about avocados and viruses. He doesn't know. (laughs) Yeah, well, this board is like what happens when you don't drop in the virus. They're incredibly happy. Yeah. They do a really good job. Incredibly democratic. It turns out it works really, really well. In fact, Mm -hmm. here's my notes. Yeah. Um, this is, I have two notes for this board. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a democracy alert. And you mentioned how democratic they are. They are super democratic. Remarkably. In fact, no, um, board member sits on any other boards or has any second or third degree connections wow. to each other. Okay. These are people who are connected only by the fact that They're my smart, first maybe. note is yeah. they are incredibly expert at the things they do. Okay, that's, so maybe that's th- pretty much it. Maybe this is what happens when you rely on things like ESG to help govern your principles. Strive is that you actually you gather experts who help you. It turns out the G foster. matters. Okay, well, keep going. Here's what I noticed. Mm-hmm. Okay, have you ever? Can you think of a single board that you've done this? How long? Twenty Too years? Long. No. To, how dare you, you? Can you twenty five? Can you think of a single board? Mm-hmm. That when they announce an interim CEO, and they 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 had to because they didn't have the CEO yet, they made the chair the interim CEO. They also simultaneously announce yep. a lead independent director to offset the chair Who being now interim the, yeah, CEO. Yeah, no, it's yeah, no, they didn't know what they're doing. Have you ever seen that before? Like that, that's never happened. Completely they they basically said we need to mitigate your power. Yeah. Even though it's um, even though it's short term power, we're still gonna put the right process in place. My second note: mm-hmm. This is an avocado grower. Yeah, right. I guess my second note yes. is an expert experience alert mm-hmm. because this board has so many experts on it that I didn't know avocado growers even needed. Okay, like what? Here's Name the list few. of experts yeah, go ahead. on the Calavo board. Yeah. a risk management expert, but not just a regular risk management expert. In agribusiness. Okay, that, that makes she sense. She was a, U, a UBS in equity research on food, specializing in like risk management in mm-hmm. agribusiness. Okay. A governance lawyer. Right. Maybe that's part of the reason why they're actually well governed. A CFO who's a financial expert, but not a CFO like at like Duke's Auto Shop. Mm-hmm. A CFO at six different companies, okay. several of whom Experience. are publicly traded. Yeah. Somebody who's an expert in power tools and food products and marketing that sounds good all at the same time you need power tools when you're growing avocados and you need marketing because well no you don't avocados kind of sell themselves don't they at this point kind of but um a content expert okay sure this is someone from the la times and who worked at doing content for a farm right right this this all sounds very good to me yeah a ranch and property expert, right, a rancher, that, of course, like someone who's interested in ranching. And then get this. This is an avocado grower. IT and cloud expert. Right. Which we as we say, it's super important, especially 2023. Right. And then you you know who they added to their board? No. An actual farmer. Oh. A farmer of someone who this grows is, This avocados. is now officially too woke for, for this. Vivek. Can we just say this is the most expert board? This is incredible. Yeah. All right. Congrats to them. The, I, I mean, who, did, who would have thunk we would have stumbled on this? And, and the only methodology we had for selecting these companies was going to the SEC and looking who has 
proxy statements. Yeah, th that's, that's as deep the as we get. Of the, that's the depth <laughs> Let's of move our on filter. to Lennar. This is a more classic situation. Lennar Corporation. Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, l let me just say this: that everything is centered on this one fact. Uh, Stuart Miller, he's the current executive chair, former CEO. MSCI says that he controls. 35% of the company's voting power, which is significant, but we actually have a, a greater level of, of granular detail here, and that is that actually Stuart Miller controls 64% uh, of board influence. Bingo, this, there it is, yeah, there it is. And, and here's, here's how this, this really matters. This company has two co-CEOs, <laughs> each with only, each with only 7% influence, this is Stuart Miller's company. End of story. So anything you're worried about, this is a dictatorship, right? Yeah. Isn't this how we qualify this dictatorship? Yeah, this is no doubt a dictatorship. Yeah. So, so everything here is kind of pointless after you discover this fact. And it's like a military coup, is really what it is. And to to show you why this is important is that last year, say on pay, uh, again, this guy Stuart Miller, he had thirty five percent of the vote. Last year, thirty seven percent of Voters voted against Seon Pei, right? Yeah, of course. That, that makes Which sense. is a very large majority if your name is not Stuart Miller. So, again, what's the point of this company? I don't really get the point of companies well, how like much, this. I mean, why would they? Did they vote against Pei because it was egregious? It's a private, this is a private company. Uh, here's what I found quickly looking at Pei. First of all, uh, here's a problem with a co-CEO structure is that they each make $30 million. <laughs> Right, so if you had an if you had a Calavo grower board there and realized that this is a heinous practice, you could save yourself an immediate thirty million dollars. That's a quick thirty million in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah, that's nice. Uh, first of all, I found this good, this nice little nugget. If Lennar underperforms seventy five percent of its peers, the top three execs are still gonna get f about forty million dollars of stock equity. <laughs> Wait, they say that in the yes, actual all proxy? In the, all in the proxy. Uh, that is like the this. greatest. Can we underperform 99% and still get paid? <laughs> can we just make that our proxy? I like this nugget. The annual bonus is essentially guaranteed. Matt, there are three levels of payout. Ready? There's nothing below these three levels. It's good, very good, and excellent. <laughs> wow. All, wow, all really have payouts great. attached to them. So you can't you you come in <laughs> you being good at Lennar. You're born on good base, I guess. Wow. Yeah. So that, there you go. That is uh that's the best compensation plan I think I've ever heard. Yeah. I will say this that there was one actual uh shareholder vote. The, the shareholder vote proposed for this year that is from Sh John Shevedin. Am I saying his name right? Chevedin. Chevedin. Who should be a friend of our show, but never calls us. But we're aligned well, spiritually here. I mean, I think John Chavedin's like 87 okay, years old. Okay, it's fine. I don't care. Who cares? And doesn't listen to podcasts. He has uh, he doesn't spirit. equal voting rights for each share vote, which would solve the Stuart Miller problem. He wants to yeah, get rid of dual-class shares. If you're the corporation, boo. Before I hand it off to you, Matt, to talk about what you found about this company, here I love this uh, snarky quote from the board. This is in response to to this shareholder wanting you know equal equal rights equal voting rights. The board says the only material difference between our two classes of common stock is that the class A common stock has one vote per share, while the class B common stock has 
10 votes per share. That's <laughs> it. It's the only That's the material only. difference. Yeah, so what are we even looking at <laughs> what here? What are we what? even talking about here? What are we talking about? That's a what pretty I like big about, material difference, I guess. I, I imagine the first draft of that response was... <laughs> Yeah. That's that's it. Well, the rest of their response does kind of read that way, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, here's what I found. Here's yeah. your board saber Go metrics ahead. notes. Board saber metrics notes you can only get only from board saber get metrics. This influencer data, which I find endlessly fascinating, we have it right here. Tell your so company you to mention, buy it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned influence consolidation. Inf uh, there was an alert that said Stuart Miller, executive chair, has 64% of the influence. There is no point talking about anybody else on this board for the most part. Okay, mm -hmm. um, But we also got a boomerang executive alert, uh -oh. which was the co-CEOs have 18% of the executive chair's influence. Okay, now, right, right. They have 7% they have each. Which means... Right. When you have that big of a power gap mm -hmm. with the co with the CEOs, and these are co 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 CEOs at this point, the chances if something goes wrong that they just bring Stuart Miller back is near one hundred percent. He's the Vince McMahon of property That's development. That's a sixty million dollar savings, by the way. Yeah, you could save a lot of shareholder money yeah. just getting rid of the co CEOs and making that guy. But I found this nugget. And this was, is brought to us by the data queen herself. There's mm -hmm. a misleading proxy language alert. Yeah, go ahead. Here. Go ahead. All right, here's the language from the proxy. The compensation committee interlocks and in insider participation says none of the directors who served on the compensation committee during fiscal 2022 was or ever has been an officer or employee of the company. Okay. Now, that is strictly true. All right. The reason why it's misleading is because three of the four compensation members are connected to other board members. Okay. Specifically, Stuart Miller and the co-CEOs. Sure. Really? Terry McClure. Yeah. Yes. Terry McClure, who's the chair of the compensation committee, is connected to both co-CEOs. Wow. Because the co-CEOs sit on a company called Five Point Holdings, mm -hmm. which Lenner did all of the development for. Basically, okay. it's a Lenner spinoff sure. without being a Lenner spinoff. On Five Point Holdings board is a woman named Kathleen Brown, who also sits on Semper Energy with Alan Beckman, who sits on the board of floor with Terry. So there is a direct connection through two phone calls between Terry Stuart Miller and the co-CEOs. So the chair of the compensation committee yeah. has a connection okay, Matt. already. But, can the I, but I'm here to remind you that none of that matters because the collective influence of the four person pay committee is 14% and Stuart Miller controls 64% of all board. So, Wait, I, so who cares? I, I think Leonard actually, I'm getting a, an alert that yeah. they're submitting a, they're they're giving a statement about what we just said. Oh, good. <laughs> that's not Leonard. That's Stuart Miller. Just so everyone at home knows, that's Stuart Miller. It's not Leonard. Well, he uh, is and Leonard. Finally, so. yeah. Finally, I have a greenwash alert for right, you. Go ahead. And it's a specific kind of a greenwash alert. It's a governance wash alert. Ooh, I like my favorite. Jeff Sonnenfeld is on the board of Leonard. Yeah. Jeff Sonnenfeld is a friend of the show. He's a professor at Yale. Mm -hmm. He is a leadership expert and a governance expert. He's been doing it for 40 years. Is he a governance expert or he's both? He's governance that, and leadership expert? Yeah, okay. that's, right. he's a little bit of both. A little bit and, of both. I like it. Um, Salt and pepper. And he's yeah. on the board 
of a company where one guy controls 64% of the influence, 35% of the vote, and Jeff Sonnenfeld, the governance expert mm-hmm. on a shit governance board, yep. has approximately 2% of the influence Despite himself. Despite 16 years of tenure. 16 years right? of tenure. Which is already um, a governance no-no. Yeah. So here, here is the go- corporate governance wash trick mm-hmm. for all the companies listening out there. You're thinking about adding a board member, want it to look good without actually doing anything. Add an expert in governance and board dynamics or maybe even diversity and give them less influence than like a parent trying to spoon feed broccoli to a toddler. Mm, like That's broccoli, basically actually. how Wait, much influence they have. Jeff, uh, friend of the show, you are listening or someone who knows him is listening. C- get Jeff to come on the show and talk about this. this is He's been on stuff. the show before I know, like but a couple this years is, ago. Let's bring him back. Yeah, well, at least talk back. about this. I, wa- I do kind of want to know what you think about this. Jeff, I know you. Yeah, you're definitely listening. Your, right. t- your team is listening. Let's, let's and now we got to go over to Paul. Right? Yeah, Don't that, we have to go? Uh, let's, I want to I hear from Paul Hodgson. The great Paul Hodgson from S-Gage here to talk about IPOs. IPOs. All right, let's, I'll play it for you. Ready? Hello there. Paul Hodgson with S-Gage Statistic of the Week here. Now, it's not often that I can come to the microphone and start to tell you about governance improvements in companies. So it's really nice to be able to do that this morning. So what we're looking at here are some statistics about uh, share class structures in traditional IPO companies um, since 2019. Uh, So that's excluding the SPAC, the special purpose acquisition companies uh, that have been flooding the market lately. So these are traditional IPOs. And we're looking at companies that uh, go public with dual class shares so where the shares of the founders typically or at least the management and uh, the original owners have a higher number of votes allotted to them than the publicly traded shares there's a lot of companies out there already like that um, alphabet uh, meta etc etc so what we've seen actually is an increase in the number of companies being uh, going public rather with one share one vote So we had 75% of all IPOs in 2019, and in fact in 2020 and 2021, going to the market with a one share, one vote structure, but that's increased to 85% in 2022. Um, Interestingly, there uh, are a lot fewer IPOs in 2022 than in any of the other three years. 2021 was a bit of a banner year for IPOs with 435 companies uh, going public in the S&P, sorry, in the Russell 3000. We've also seen a decline in the number of companies going dual-class IPO without time-based sunset provisions. Now, time-based sunset provisions is a structure by which the unequal voting structure disappears after a set length of time. So we've seen that come down from 20% in 2019 down to 14% in 2022. Now, while there's also been a decrease, well, there was last year anyway, in the number of companies that went to market with with time-based sunset provisions as opposed to without. We've seen a decline in that number. Um, there was a, a, a sort of general increase from 2019 to 2021, from 5% to 6% to 9% in 2021. And I think it's probably more to do with the fewer companies going public in 2022 that we've gone down to 1%, which basically one company last year went to market with time-based sunset provisions. Now, time-based sunset provisions are all very well. Sometimes they're not particularly effective. Uh, you know, if, if 
if they only happen uh, when the founder dies, for example, which is not a particularly help to the uh, public shareholders. But in fact, what we've seen over the four years is actually time-based sunset provisions that have real teeth uh, being introduced. In 2019, the vast majority of them were uh, 10 years. Uh, so the, the unequal voting structure would disappear after 10 years, 63% with only 25% after seven years. But that proportion has shifted downwards to only 33% having unequal voting structures for 10 years and 46% in seven years. Um, and we've seen a steady increase in the number of companies with time-based sunset provisions so that the unequal voting structure expires after five years. We've seen a steady increase since 2019 to 2022. As there was only one company that had time-based sunset provisions in 2022, that's 100% in, <laughs> in that year that had them expire after five years. So I think this is actually relatively encouraging. So it's nice to be able to come to the microphone this morning and tell you that story. So this is Paul Hodgson with S-Gage Statistic of the Week signing off. Bye-bye. Ah. Can I say? Yeah, um, go ahead. First of all, uh, go for can it. I ask you a question? Sure, Would go. you Do con it. have considered Adam Newman's plan to, upon his death, mm -hmm. hand all of his shares to his wife? Yeah. A sunset provision? Is that a sunset provision? <laughs> I mean, no. Right? Isn't the answer no? But it, wasn't it more than that? It was uh, not just shares. It was giving her uh, some kind of executive role too i think yeah she would basically yeah. uh, she became queen or something yeah. i don't remember how that worked also second question Go. is why is everybody desperately desperately afraid of one share one vote what is that because they like power they, they don't want to be they like I mean, I, they don't want yes. other, they don't want like farmers and ranchers and corporate governance experts coming in and telling them what to do like it seems to have worked for the avocados. That's yeah. all I'm saying. They are like delicious. It seems to have worked pretty much pretty well. We like the avocados, and they're doing just fine. That's all we got for today. It's a woke Wednesday alternative democracy update with some board sabermetrics alerts, plus some brilliant words from our sponsor S Gage. Thank you, S Gage. We'll be back tomorrow with a game show of some kind, of something someday. Until then, goodbye.